Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Happy to Meet Cute. This is Fallon Ballard here with my fantastical co-host, <laughs> Courtney Kay, <laughs> on another gloomy, gross, sort of rainy day here in Southern California. And just so you know, it is the end of May. Like, what the F is happening? I know. I feel like this podcast should be dedicated to us just complaining about <laughs> irregular Southern Californian weather. You know, I do not pay Southern California prices to live in Midwest weather. Like, that is not a thing that should be happening here. I'm not okay with it. I know. Usually, like, what is it? The the spring, May showers, flowers. Like, the it only lasts for a little bit, but it's been way too long. Normally, I feel so bad because my child is very tall and skinny, and so finding pants that fit him is, like, impossible, Mm -hmm. and he grows really fast, so, like, by the time we're in, you know, spring, the pants that I bought him in the winter are, like, two inches too short, but, like, normally by this time, he's wearing shorts, Yeah. so it doesn't matter, and I, like, got him dressed today, and I was like, oh, God, I'm such a bad mom because your pants... (laughs) ridiculous it's the fashion (laughs) cuff them up (laughs) have to be wearing pants at the end of may and a sweatshirt every morning to get ready for school i'm over it (laughs) my kiddo is also very tall and lean and so what she does is um like lengthwise her pants are okay but in the waist they're baggy and especially since they were um they're so lucky to have like the high waist pants now you know yes not like us back in the day, RIP. So she, the the very popular thing now is to do this shoelace through like the back pant loops oh. and then you tie it in the back and that's like very popular. I'm like, well, this is convenient. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Instead of like the sagging pants, which was popular in our day, yeah. now it's like the shoelace tighten it up. Okay. Like, kind of smart. Okay. Yeah. Very clever. Yeah. I'm not mad about that. (laughs) Yeah. Good job. You're doing great. That's a good trick. Uh, Yeah. Because yes, that's my, my husband knows well enough not to complain to me about his problem finding pants anymore because he's just like, I'm just too tall and skinny. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Let me play my little violin. Yes. Oh, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> Must be so hard to be conventionally attractive <laughs> and have a desirable that... body type. <laughs> oh my god! But yes, he was nice enough to pass those jeans on to our child. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're really just coming out hot with like the complaints. <laughs> I know what's happening. It's the weather. Why we're so grumpy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. But let's talk about a happy thing because oh. we actually have the same show that we have been watching for like maybe the first time ever. It's like yeah. a historic day. Yeah. I am obsessed um, with Queen Charlotte. Oh my God. Show on Netflix. I finished the last episode like two nights ago and it was like, sobbing hysterically yeah I was watching it on my iPad in bed and like Matt just looked over at me and was like 
are you are you okay <laughs> you good <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, it's so beautiful <laughs> <laughs> It was so good. I didn't really know what to expect going in. And Mm-mm. I was just like, I am obsessed. Obsessed. I, words fail me on how to describe my feelings for the show because they were so big. Like, I, so I started, actually, okay, this is kind of funny. But I started the show on Mother's Day because I was like, this is my fucking day. I'm going to sit in the living room while my whole family's here, meaning my husband and child, and I'm going to watch whatever I want. I'm in charge of the remote. I'm in charge of the TV. This worked out fine until everyone stopped what they were doing and came and sat with me. And then like a sex scene came on and I was like, oh, maybe my 11 year old <laughs> shouldn't be born. like, this is a little too mature, obviously. So I was like, damn it fine so then I saved it for my own self to watch once everyone went to bed like this week this this week I did it on Sunday night okay started it and I was like it's fine I can just like watch a show watch one or two Fallon I watched the entire thing like bloodshot eyes sleep like hallucinations I don't even know what time I went to bed. I didn't care. Time was irrelevant. This show consumed me. Uh, I was sobbing. I went through like every single visceral emotion. Yeah. When, you know, when you think about a show or a book that like completely wrecked you, do you ever like physically ache? Yes. Yes. I physically ache for this show. (laughs) Yes. When you get those like, the actual pangs in your heart where you're like I just I just love them so much I just yeah I like there really aren't any words except except for these (laughs) oh wait just kidding I have a lot of words um so the guy that is playing King George and I forgot his name even though he was my man crush Monday in my newsletter this week um is so like, I don't think I've ever actually had this sensation before where, like, the first kind of couple times you see him on screen, I was like, all right, he's mm-hmm. fine. He's, mm-hmm. he's cute. Whatever. Yeah, he'll do. When he smiles. <laughs> I know. His whole everything just changes. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, you smile and you are hot. <laughs> like, Yeah. How does that happen? I have never experienced that sensation before. Where and I have read that, like sort of like the smile changed his whole face or like whatever. And I'm like, that's not a thing. And then I was like, oh my god, it's a thing. Like, hold on, notebook. This is a notebook moment. (laughs) I was like, wait, it's real. I damn yeah yeah yeah. Like we get it, Charlotte. Yeah. The way that he looks at her, oh, it's just like this is what we try to capture. Yeah. In yeah. What the fuck? Emotion. And honestly, Shonda Rhimes, like, I'll have her babies. Like, I, I don't even. What? I'm sorry. I will lay down my life for Shonda. 
Mm-hmm. Like all I'm thinking about as I'm watching the show is like the talent of this human. Yeah, it's not very fair. Six episodes and my entire life is turned upside down. Yeah. I love that we haven't even said anything specific about the show. <laughs> it's just all feelings. That's it. That's all. Yeah. Um, no, but actually one of my, I think all of the side characters are incredible, but mm-hmm. my favorite is the young version of Brimsley, like <laughs> Charlotte's like kind of go-to man. I, he is so freaking cute. I love him. <laughs> I know. Doesn't he remind you of, um, I don't know, I, this, doesn't he remind you of, who's Gaston's pal? Oh, yeah, LeFou. LeFou. Like, I don't know why, but his character reminded me of him a little bit. Um, I, I, That's a weird thing to say, but, <clears throat> oh my God, I know. And that whole side story and side romance was beautiful. And Please, like when he's dancing at the end, this isn't a spoiler because you'd have to watch to know why it matters. But I was like, dead. I I lost it. I'm like, fuck you, Shonda. (laughs) Between that and then in the last episode when they're under the bed, hysterical. Hysterical. That was like the notebook moment. Yes. Like the movie, The Notebook. That was the moment. And it was so sweet. (laughs) And how, no, I feel like I can't say it'll be a spoiler. But how it shifts, that's all I'll say. Like in that scene. I was like, well done. (laughs) It's so good. And I just, like, it's so interesting because somebody posted on Twitter and I was like, of course, on Twitter, you're going to ruin everything. Like, just a reminder that this King George that you're lusting over on yeah. the show is also the villain in Hamilton. Like, that's the same ah! <laughs> And I was like, no, don't remind me of that. I don't want to think about who he actually is in real life. Oh, yeah, no, we don't. Yeah. No. Because he's, like, my favorite kind of hero where he's just, like, tortured and, oh. like, I can't be with you because I'm not enough for you. Oh, like, I'm going to protect you. by. Like, I'm literally going to cry. Oh, it's just <laughs> so good. Oh. <laughs> and the, like the mental health in this show, oh, the mental health yeah. rep was like, oh, okay. So as I'm watching it, I'm thinking like back then, Yes, like this is all they had. This these are the only terms mm-hmm. they had. This is the only like access they had. This is the only understanding they had. And um I I was of course googling like what condition um yeah. George King George actually had historically and and actually part of it was saying that like his deterioration also came f- from like arsenic poisoning from the treatments that they thought would help, you know, with, um, with his mental illness. And so it's like, God, this, God, (laughs) that's sad. But like, just, I don't know. It was neat to also kind of take a moment to appreciate how far we've come. Like, obviously we have so far to go, but it also made me grateful that we have so many resources and 
um, like uh, much more understanding. Yeah. And just like all the years and years and generations of not having that, like how devastating. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. So many thoughts. Yeah. It just is so interesting. Just like from a historical perspective, um, you know, and him being in this like position of power and having all of these responsibilities, but then everyone else in his life sort of having to like cover for him and like hide it. And, you know, it's so, it's just fascinating. And obviously I don't know how historically accurate this show is being and I don't really know that's not really the point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a really interesting look at um you know what he was going through and I just love how they just like find each other and you know like I I don't know how realistic it is but I I love that for him like she's like his grounding place mm. and that like he just comes back to her and like everything is okay and I yeah not realistic but I don't care no like I know it was completely fictionalized, but this love story was healing in so many ways and so beautiful and how she comes to him in like his deepest time of need. And she's, she makes, she, Charlotte says something about only caring for his happiness. Mm -hmm. uh, so good. And I was like, yes, that's it. And then when she says something too about like, I will stand with you between the heavens and the earth. god charlotte is my queen forever and ever yeah i have not seen anything about them getting a second season yet and i need that to happen yeah i mean it's interesting because it wasn't a full it was almost like a mini mm -hmm. series like because it they were calling it a bridgerton story yeah so it's kind of separate i felt like from the bridgerton seasons am i wrong no i no you're right and i think um I think that's the intention of it so i'm like let's give us more yeah i like these i love what they're creating apparently they got to have like 12 more babies so i want to see that happening <laughs> i know yeah i was I like i could have yeah like i could have used another episode i think yeah yeah like just to enjoy their happiness yeah i mean <laughs> we don't usually get to do a lot of no. that <laughs> No. Like, I realize that's not good for story, but <laughs> fan fiction. Yeah, yeah. Pull through. Um, and I really had no intentions of reading the book that they also released just because I have 8,000 other books that I need to read. But now I'm like, oh, fuck, I gotta read this book. It's just so good. So, Shonda, when you're looking for your next partners, Courtney and I are available. <laughs> I'll just be like her little. Please give us a call. <laughs> yeah, I'll just be like her office cat or dog and just like sit there. Oh my God. Yeah, I think if I ever met her in person, I might actually like pass out. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good stuff. <laughs> um, okay. After all that blathering. So we have a really, really good episode today. I do just want to give a warning that we had some technical issues and the sound on this one is definitely not 
what it should be. And I'm so, so bummed because this is such a good episode. And uh, we're chatting with Christina Forrest today, the author of The Neighbor Favor. And she talks about plot in a way that like my pantser brain was like, this is like groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was so good and such a good conversation. Um, So I know the sound isn't fantastic, but suck it up. It's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Buttercups. So she um, also, we also talk about Starstruck and Harlem and Beyonce. It is an amazing episode. Christina is so lovely. Yes. Um, yeah. Riverside burned us on the audio for, <laughs> yeah. for a little bit. So but. I apologize for the internet being awful, but um, it still is definitely, you can understand and hear everything and it's, it's totally worth it because. Christina has such good information to share. Mm-hmm. So stick around and we'll be right back with Christina Forrest. But Christina Forrest is the critically acclaimed author of romance books for both teens and adults. She earned her MFA in creative writing at the New School and she lives in New Jersey, where she can often be found rearranging her bookshelf. And I am so sorry, my cat is like creating so much noise <laughs> chewing on cardboard in the background. Christina, it is so. Good to have you. And I can also be found rearranging my bookshelf. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I literally just had that thought yesterday because I have, I mean, the girls can kind of see it behind me. I have like a rainbow shelf, like in the middle of my bookshelf, but I'm right. It's like, I don't have any more room to add books to it. So I'm like, oh shoot, I'm gonna have to rearrange my whole bookshelf. But then I'm like, ooh, I get to rearrange my whole bookshelf. That's why, yeah, that's why I keep rearranging because I do mine in alphabetical order because I'm like a type A person. Um, But whenever I run out of space, I have it also by like historical romance, contemporary romance, then it's like YA, then it's adult fiction. Yeah, so that's why I have to keep (laughs) arranging it every time I buy a new book because it's separated by genre than by last name. And it's like my own little. I do too. (laughs) okay good (laughs) oh man I must have just been raised in the bookstagram phase because mine is all about aesthetics (laughs) which doesn't make it hard (laughs) I also had the rainbow shelf and then I got so frustrated with like um knowing which gradient to go into and I was like damn it I don't know and so I just I gave up. <laughs> That's why I gave up too. I was like, which color goes into which thing? And I, it was just, just frustrating me. I gave up. I tried it I once. Literally, was like, oh my God. I literally looked up a color wheel online. I'm like trying to figure it out and I couldn't. Oh, anyway. Well, then too, I have like a whole separate shelf of books that have like multicolored spines. So I'm like, you guys, you can't have red and orange and yellow like where are you supposed to go on the rainbow shelf you're really throwing me (laughs) off here you're off the rainbow shelf yes you've been relegated to your own color timeout shelf because you can't (laughs) pick a lane (laughs) oh goodness this is the problems we have as bookworms (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) um well, speaking of bookworms, okay, Neighbor Favor, which is your adult debut, I am obsessed. I am one yeah, of those people that, like, when I see a book about the book world, I just am like, 
feral for it. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the neighbor favor? Yes. Um, I haven't had to pitch it in a while, so I feel like I probably should have practiced, but we're going to wing it. Um, the neighbor favor is about a woman named Lily, who is a publishing assistant, who one day strikes up an online correspondence with uh, her favorite author who writes with a pen name. Um, and he hasn't published a book in about five years. He's very obscure, no pictures of him exist online or anything like that. Uh, but the two of them email for a better course of a year. Um, and they sort of fall for each other. But uh, at the last minute when they're supposed to meet in person, uh, this author who is called Strick, uh, Ghost Lily, um, and she's really sad about it. And then a couple months later, she gets this new neighbor um, and she asks him to help her find a date to her sister's wedding. But she doesn't know that her neighbor is actually Strick, whose real name is Nick. <laughs> um, and so it's a little bit of mistaken identity, pistolary uh, trope um, with a New York City setting. I love it. I like just get such joy too when I open a book and I like see emails like just the email no, I don't know there is just like something about that format the epistolary it just is like I don't know it's just like next level I just love it so much me too I I was inspired by uh actually I, a lot of people bring up use that mail with because of the New York City bookish thing, which I get, but I've actually never seen that movie in its entirety. I own, I know the plot. I mean, it's very popular, um, but I was more so inspired by historical romances where there was like letter writing. And I was like, this is so romantic. I want to do this, but modern. So email. <laughs> I didn't want to text, <laughs> so I did email. <laughs> I just love that so much. It seems so Me fun. Too. And unique for a contemporary romance. I really loved it. And um, how it kind of goes into the story with the emails. It gives you such an amazing chance to really connect on a deep level with your characters. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm glad that you both liked it. <laughs> um, so when you set out to write, did you know that you wanted your characters to be based in the bookish world or was that just like a fortunate accident? <laughs> uh, that was a product of my own laziness um, because... <laughs> Um, I worked in publishing for several several years. Um, I actually left publishing last summer. Um, and originally, it, it was always going to be about like neighbors, mistaken identity, the, you know, the um, anonymous emailing that was always going to be a part of it. But originally, Lily worked in magazine publishing, and she wanted to write for this TV. It was like a cartoon a show for adults, sort of like Big Mouth. <laughs> Um, or like, fam not family guy, but like more like big mouth kind of humor. Um, and Nick was the creator of this show. Um, but that would have required me to do research, which <laughs> I hate. And so I was like, what do I know? <laughs> well, I know publishing and I know what it's like to be an author. And I also wanted their careers to be more tied together. Um, so that's where that came from. I did not set out to write a book about bookish people. Um, and I don't never say never, but I don't know if I would do it again, just because it's so close to my own. It's not enough escapism for me as, an, as a writer. Um, but I, I think because I knew it so well, it came out easily. Um, so no, it wasn't my intention. It was kind of just like what ended up working best for this, for this specific story. 
I love that though. And I, um, I feel you on the research. I am doing some research right now for a future project. And I'm like, oh, this is like a lot. Like it's hard. <laughs> I was like, I should maybe um, consider that with future projects. I would like to just do things. I don't have to read a ton of other books about. <laughs> In literally all my books, I try to find a way to not do research. So I'm right there <laughs> I'm so glad because whenever I say this, I always kind of feel like, oh, it, like, it, is it, am I just super lazy? Like, does that make me not a bad writer, but like somebody who isn't like pushing herself hard enough? But I don't know. No. Like when I get an idea, <laughs> I just want to start going. I don't like the feeling of being like tripped up because I have to go back and, you know, so that's kind of where that comes from. <laughs> it can feel restricting, you know, if you yeah. have to read on certain elements or mechanics that you come across in your research and the fun of just you know making shit up is not like that's the best thing ever <laughs> yeah yeah so <laughs> very eloquently <laughs> yeah. but it's fun to take a field that you know well enough to where you, if you run into a plot hole or some sort of block you can work your way around it by just making something up yeah, <laughs> yeah love that I love that. Um, well, kind of on that note, we're going to um, chat today about something very near and dear to my heart. And by that, I mean, I suck at it and I need help. <laughs> um, I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm a major pantser. And as Courtney knows, because yesterday she had to talk me through plot for an hour. Um, it's something that I really struggle with, but I know that that's something that you kind of feel like is a little bit in your niche and is a little bit your jam. So please teach me your magical ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I am a major plotter. And before I get into what my process is, I do just want to say that everybody's different. And I, as you both know, every different processes for different people and in no way does anybody have to go through what I put myself through <laughs> and plotting. But I also feel like I need to preface to say that I am a Capricorn. And so I've just sort of been very, I have to like very organized and I have to, I have to have a plan for almost everything, just even outside of writing. Um, so that is sort of what uh, goes into my process before I even start a book. So um, the first thing that I will do when I get an idea, I guess, obviously, is to, you know, it's the normal process of like you put it in like a notes app or whatever. Um, but what I try to do when I have an idea that I feel like I want to pursue is I will put it on a, a plot arc. And the plot arc that I use is called Spray Tag Plot Arc. Um, if you go <laughs> Writing that down. <laughs> How do you spell it? It's spelled F. R-E-Y-T-A-G. Okay. And so I got this from my, so fun fact, um, Jill Santopolo, who writes uh, women's fiction, pop some popular women's fiction, was my thesis advisor in grad school. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so um, she gave our class um, this, it was super helpful. I still use it, um, which I will continue to get into, but she gave us a packet about, because she's a plotter. Um, and when we were working on my thesis, um, she gave me a lot of tools to help with my plotting. Um, and the free tag plot arc was a part of that. Um, and 
basically it has the opening, which I wish I had like a little chart <laughs> to show you. Yeah. But it has like the opening um, and the inciting incident. And then it goes up and like the rising action. And then like for romance, the first half of the rising action is like the falling in love process. And then the second half is like staying in love. Or, you know, if you decide to do uh, a third act breakup or if you have a third act event, which is what I sometimes try to do, like that's the, the, the action that's building up to that. And then it's like the climax point and then there's the falling action and then the resolution. And if you want to include an epilogue, like the epilogue, that's this little part. I almost like, it's kind of like this. <laughs> Which no one can see me yeah. do when they're listening to this. <laughs> um, maybe I'll like include it in the newsletter or something, but like, that's what it is. I'll do that because then I know that I have the, the bone of a story. If I can't put it out like that, um, then I'm kind of like, this needs to like bake a little bit more. Mm. And so once I have that down, I then do a character questionnaire. <laughs> and this Ooh. is also something that I got from Jill, but I've over the years have since like adapted it for the kind of books that I write, depending on if it, well, I kind of use the same one for YA and adult, but certain things change. Like in the adult one, I don't put like, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> because they're already doing it. But um, it, it, the questions range from like, what is your name? What is your nickname? How did you get it? Like, how do you dress? Are there any like distinctive features about you, like physically or the or or your like fashion sense? Um, who are your friends? Who are your family? Um, and then I also edit it to include like, what is the uh, specific, what is the specific thing that you're anticipating in your story, like because like right like each character starts off like I'm looking forward to this but then this happens kind of mm -hmm. um also like what is uh your internal fear what's your internal goal what's your external goal basically I try to do as much character work as possible before I start writing and then of course while you're writing your characters just become whoever it is that they want to be <laughs> um which is the fun part of it uh but i do like to just sort of have a general idea um before i start writing because i like to get into the mode where i know what my character will do in any given situation if i take them out of my story and plop them in the middle of a cornfield what would they do what would they say if I took them from there and put them on the subway what would they do what would they say I like to know that as much as possible um and then what comes next well it depends <laughs> it depends if uh, I can already start going because it's a contracted book I'll just start if it's not then of course I have to write the synopsis for the proposal and everything um but once I get past that, then I will just, I kind of just start writing the first few chapters. Like I'll outline, like, I want this to happen, this to happen, this to happen. And I try to get myself up to the inciting incident pretty loosely. But once I get there, I plot out like pretty hard. Like I have a whole poster board and I will do sticky notes for each chapter and of course it changes. So like I'll remove things, edit things along the way. I also edit as I go because um, the thought of like leaving things unfixed keeps me up at night. So I have to <laughs> fix, fix it um, as I'm working on it. And so then, you know, a lot of the times I'm like riddled with self-doubt. I'm like, this is the worst book I've ever written but because I have the outline, I just keep going. <laughs> 
and then I get to the end and uh, then I usually if I have time print it out hand edit it then go back in change the you know make the edits and then send it to my editor and then there's the revision process but anyway that's how I do the first <laughs> That's how I plot out first draft. That's, That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I um I would love to know what you guys do though. Okay. <laughs> Courtney, you want to go first? I Mine know. is just yeah, chaos. Okay. <laughs> so it it truly is chaos. Um I typically start with character. Um and usually some little like nugget or scene will like pop into my head and I will kind of then just like build that from there. Um, but I usually before I like start actually drafting, I will jot down like a very loose idea of like, okay, so this is what the hero wants. This is what the heroine wants. Like just very basic, like this is their want. This is what's keeping them from getting it. You know, that kind of like, I forget there's a cutesy acronym for that, that I never mm. remember. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't do much more than that. Um, and then I just kind of sit down and I start writing and see what happens. And I think the most chaotic part of my process, just judging by people's faces when I tell them is like, I don't draft in chapters. Um, so I just draft like, a huge block of text basically. And then when I get to like the end, I will print it out and then read through and figure out like how I want to break up my chapters, um, which is just wild and probably ridiculous, but. Do you do chapter breaks like to break up scenes? So I'll do like a little, I'll do a break in between places where I know there needs to be a pause. And so sometimes that will be like an in chapter, end up being like an in chapter break. Mm -hmm. Because here's my thing as I find myself many times if I'm if I'm like breaking up into chapters, I get in this habit of where I start each chapter at like the beginning of a new day. And that's just like not a great way to do that. So sometimes I have to like force myself out of that habit by being like, no, the chapter break should actually happen at this pause, not not that pause. Um, but yeah, like I find for me when I'm writing rom-coms that that works well for me because, you know, in my opinion, plot is secondary. Obviously, that's not everybody's way to go. But especially in a romance, you know, I'm like, they're falling in love like that whatever else happens like that's the part that matters um but i am drafting a fantasy romance right now and not plotting that has been not good for me <laughs> well first of all your process is fascinating to me yeah but i love i love the 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 free flow of it like i really when i whenever i hear people talk about like you know they just sort of get an idea and they go and see where it's see where it takes them I'm so envious because I wish I feel like the, my process I mean it works for me but um sometimes I feel like I miss the spontaneity of like creativity mm -hmm. um because it's like so rigid <laughs> um but how are you getting along with world building <laughs> for your fantasy romance are yeah you just, like thinking of it as you go 
Sort of. And that has been not great. Um, and I have rewritten this 40,000 words uh, like three or four times already because I just keep getting myself into these corners. So yesterday I <laughs> called Courtney and I was like, I need help. I can't do this. Um, and basically just like through the course of our conversation, I was like, oh, I started this book in the wrong spot. And what I have is sort of like right now at the end of this 40,000 words, that should actually be the end of the book. Um, and so I have to now go back and like sort of build in the front end. Um, cause I just, because I didn't plot and I haven't really done a lot of fantasy and I don't really know what I'm doing. I sort of got myself into this situation where I was like, Oh, this is not right. And that's it how just, actually, it, no, sorry, okay, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, it, that's how I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You go no, ahead. You go first. <laughs> um, for me, I usually know something is wrong when I sit down to write and I just like nothing comes into my head. And that had Ooh. happened to me for a couple days in a row. And I was like, okay, so something is like wrong here because I cannot get my brain to like put words on the page. And so then I know I need to go back and like, look at the major elements and, and figure some stuff out. Is this adult or YA? Are, are you, how is this, do people know about this? Or are you, are you just sort of like talking about it loosely? Yeah. I mean, I, it's adult and okay. it's not contracted or anything. Um, uh, okay. okay. I have had conversations with my agent about it and she's like, yeah, send it to me. I'll try to sell it. And I'm like, cool, sweet. So for now, it's just more of like a fun little side project yeah. and we'll see what happens, which is good because it means there's no stakes right now. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that is, I'm like, I admire that so much that you're like jumping into a new subgenre and just going for it. I think that's really cool. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I might seriously regret it at some point. But. It's amazing. fun. It's mostly fun. It has those moments of like, I want to bang my head against the wall. But um, for the most part, it's been fun to write. So I love that. how has been working with adult and YA been for you, Christina? Like, um, have you also sort of delved into other subgenres? Or do you do contemporary romance across the board? Yeah, it's contemporary romance across the board. Um, I do have like ideas that are a little bit speculative in terms of like like time travel elements or, or things like that, but they're mostly grounded in like contemporary settings. Um, that's why I admire you, Valen, saying that you're doing fantasy because I feel like fantasy is too it's too big for me. Sometimes I feel like I get intimidated as a reader. I'm like, I don't wait, I don't know what happened. Who is this person? Because of all the details. Um, but I love it as a reader, but I'm too intimidated to do it um, as an author. Um, so yeah, mostly just contemporary. Um, for me, the difference, because my teen characters, they tend to be around 17. It's like the average age. Um, and like the stakes and motive, obviously the stakes and motivations are different <laughs> between like a 28 year old and an 18 year old. Uh, but I think that my YA stories tend to just be a little bit more 
obviously again innocent <laughs> in terms of content but also like um I think what's cool about writing YA is that your characters are sort of like or at least the way the way the age that my characters are they tend to be juniors or seniors um they're like on the edge of starting their lives and doing things on their own for the first time and figuring out who it is that they want to be and so that's a different kind of mindset because like the world is their oyster and it's like a very fresh eyed sort of innocent uh outlook that they have whereas my adult characters um are in their late 20s early 30s um and they've already gone through that experience they're at a certain point in their life and they tend to be like i don't know if i like where i am <laughs> so you know, maybe they're a little bit more dated i don't know um but the, the stakes are different because you know they they are the masters of their own fate and they are you know sort of coming to terms with decisions they've made in the past and how they want to change those decisions to have a different kind of future um and i also uh because i write about people who are my own age i don't worry about whether or not i sound old <laughs> so that's one thing <laughs> <What's> so <laughs> <relatable I'm> right? <laughs> it's like so fun to write ya because i can so easily go back to that headspace. Um, but some of the references, I'm like, oh, wait, was, they, was somebody who's 17 right now get that? And so I have to like look it up a little bit. But when I'm writing my adult books, I'm like, no, they're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's one I, small difference. Um, I feel like I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like a good 10 years older than a lot of my adult characters. And I'm like, oh man, am I now at the age where I have to like make sure that they understand? Luckily, my editor's about 10 years younger than I am. So I'm like, okay, you'll let me know if anything doesn't make sense. If you're like, what is yeah. that? And I'm like, oh God, I'm getting so old. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you also do storyboarding? Yeah, so that's what I was talking about with the, um, the post-it. And so it's like just chapter by chapter. And if with my adults, they tend to be dual POV. So I'll even have like different color yeah. sticky notes depending on <laughs> which Christina. POV it is. I know. Now I feel uh, you are all powerful in my mind. Like, yes. what? Yeah, but that's it. And then I have this. So yeah, it goes chapter by chapter. Um, and then I have that hanging up like on the wall. I'll just like tape it up to the wall behind my computer so that I can like look at it. And sometimes it feels like something's hovering over me and it feels like too much. So I will just mm. take it down and put it behind my desk. But, it's, uh, it's looming. <laughs> yeah, but I do always have it. But it, it works for me because um, that it helps me know if I can make a deadline or not because I juggle both. Um, like if my deadline... Like just like my revision deadline is May 26th. And so because I have that chapter by chapter, I was able to say, okay, I can do these on this day, these on this day, and this is how I will make my deadline by like doing these certain chapters on this day. And like, I know which ones need more work. And so like, maybe I'll do that one by itself one day, but then like three easy chapters the next day. When I talk about my process, I start to feel like, <laughs> like, um, I don't even know. 
someone who's like, you know that meme of the the guy yes. from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? <laughs> That's yes, how I, I, knew, sound. I knew exactly what you were saying. <laughs> I think we all feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. I love Just that though. that red thread. And I think like one of the best parts and the most interesting parts about doing this podcast so far has been just like hearing how everybody works so differently. And I think it's just so interesting and fascinating to hear about other people's processes. And there are definitely times when somebody's talking when I'm like, oops, I'm stealing that. And then it's like, you know, your process can evolve and change yeah, as you absolutely. as you write more. Definitely. I've listened to a couple episodes. And so I'm curious to know, like, overall, would you generally say, like, what, what do you come across more? Is it plotters or pantsers or what's the other one? Planters? Yeah. Planters? <laughs> you know, the one that's like in the middle, like, yeah. or I've heard it described as like, you're like in a tunnel <laughs> and you have a flashlight and you can only see a certain amount of feet in front of you. So you plan that far, then you get there, then you dig some more. And then you, <laughs> I, I, I like actually wrote my first book like that. Um, and I realized I didn't like it, so I didn't go back and do it again. Mm. But um, I'm just curious to know, like, what so far, what the what most people have been saying, or if you had to say one or the other, like, which one do you think you have you had more of? Gosh, what would you I say, Fallon? I'm having a hard time. I feel like <laughs> we have chatted with more plotters than pantsers. I also think that yeah. a lot of people who identify as pantsers maybe are not pantsing as much as they think they are. Mm -hmm. um, so they're maybe not like as strict as like a really thorough plotter, but there's definitely, I guess they fall more on, on the, the planter <laughs> spectrum. Um, I don't know. I don't know that we've talked to anybody else whose process is as chaotic as mine. I remember, was it Talene Vascuni was saying how, I think that she connected with you on the, yeah, she uh, might have, yeah, pantsing, yeah. I'm pretty sure, but then she talked us through her revision process, which is a lot more right. streamlined, as yours is, yeah. like Fallon, you share similarity, similarities with Christina with having your chapter by chapters yeah. assigned to different days to hit your revision deadline. Yeah. Yeah. When I get edits back from my editor and I have a deadline, then I really make sure that I can get it done in that time because I am type A in that matter. And I really am like, feel very strict about my deadlines. Um, but my editor is also very like, get it to me when it's ready. <laughs> and I'm like, no, oh, I give me a date. <laughs> Tell me when. Wait, did she, oh, you're opposite. She, she just says that to you? Like, Get it to me when it's ready? A lot of times, but that's... So right now... Uh, okay, so right now we're editing my third book. Um, but I finished... I draft really fast, typically. Gotcha. So okay. my first draft was done so early that we've kind of, like, had a lot of time that, you know, we haven't had, like, a time crunch yet. Um, with book two, which was a hot mess the whole time, I had a lot of very strict deadlines. <laughs> so it kind of just, like... I think depends on on where that first draft and falls on the spectrum and how much work it needs. How long does it take you to write a first draft? I mean, I wrote Lisa in Love in six weeks. 
Same. What about you, Courtney? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you called me out. Um, so, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I think, you know, listening to everybody and in regards to your question, like, what have you seen more of? I think what we do see across the board and what is very typical and makes sense is that drafting and revising are two completely different processes yeah. and two completely different brain spaces. Mm -hmm. And so what might work for drafting isn't going to work for revising and vice versa. And so it's almost like you have to take this time to shift between those mm -hmm. two creative processes. Um, for me personally, I don't really know how long it takes me to draft yet because my second book was such a mess. Mm. Um, I had to rewrite it many times. But what I am consistent about is that I am a layerer. So <laughs> I don't know if that's an official term, but it's what I call it. It is um, now. <laughs> it is now. And I am definitely a heavy plotter <clears throat> because I... Um, I'm lazy and I would personally like to take the time <laughs> working on 10 pages of a massive outline or more than 10 pages and try to figure everything out there as opposed to having to rewrite. Um, I'm sorry, Fallon. I'm thinking of Fallon 40K um, <laughs> because I, in the past, have had to rewrite multiple drafts mm -hmm. um and it just sucks <laughs> and, it really um, I ended up having to rewrite a lot with my second book because the outline was wrong mm -hmm. and it took going through the whole process to figure out why it was wrong mm -hmm. um so now going into a pitch for book three I'm really trying to um catch those uh like pitfalls up front which I hope I'm successful at, but I, I think I learned, I'm just going to take my time, um, in the prep work and like, get it to where I want it instead of rushing. Um, and there was something I was going to say and it completely left my brain. So I will, <laughs> I will pass it on to you. We've been talking too much about writing. We're starting to malfunction. <laughs> <laughs> Should we move on to this? Yes. <laughs> Some more okay. fun stuff. No, but that was um, like a really interesting conversation. And I, yeah, I don't know. I just always love hearing how things work in other people's brains. I just find that so fascinating. Yeah. Um, Me too. And, I, and like, it's always fun to try new things. Yeah. Definitely. I, I would maybe one day for like a, a, a new, a new sort of thing that's uncontracted, try that straight through new chapters. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, let me know how it goes. If you decide <laughs> to do that, like I, I have not, I don't think we've talked to anyone else that is drafts in that particular way. I would be really interested mm -hmm. if there are other people that do that. I want to talk to you. So I feel validated. So oh, they're <laughs> Somebody. Okay. So let's talk some fun stuff. Um, so Starstruck and Harlem are two of your kind of like go-to TV shows. Yeah. Looking. Yeah. I, yeah, I would say those are the shows, especially Starstruck. Um, 
that have really good it's like a romantic comedy tv show which i feel mm. like we don't have a lot of right now in terms oh. right like i'm trying to think of if there's any other romantic comedy tv show that i've watched other than um oh what's the show with the teens on netflix that i love so much they're british not sex education oh, um, Alf Osman is the writer yes yes that's yeah. so darling i love that one um, but right now I'm like really blanking on others, yeah. but I love Starstruck for that reason, um, because the creator, who's the, the main character is also the creator. Do you guys watch it? I haven't watched it yet. It's been on my okay. list forever and because everyone okay. I know loves it. And I'm like, I just, I need to watch it. Yeah. You're okay. introducing us. I'm excited. Okay, great. All right. So it's a story, um, they're, they're English or she's Australian. Or she's from, she's from New Zealand. They're in she London. Has an she has an <laughs> accent that is different from the British accents around her. Um, <laughs> she's a woman who um, is sort of like I don't want to call her a hot mess, but she sort of like describes herself that way. Like she's like in between. I think she works at the theater, like the movie theater, um, and she just kind of doesn't have her life together. And one night she goes out with her best friend on New Year's Eve. And she ends up hooking up with this very handsome man. And she can't put her finger on why he's so, like, where she knows him from. But she realizes that he's a famous actor. Um, and he really likes her. And so it's, like, this sort of, like, opposites attract, like, uh, what's the, I don't know the name of the trope where people are from, like, completely different socioeconomic backgrounds. But that's one mm. of them. Um, social backgrounds. And it's like both seasons are only six episodes, 30 minutes, like literally just watched it. Like it's like watching like a little bit longer movie. Um, it's so good. It's so funny and heartfelt. And I think that um, a lot of British content is really good. I don't know if you guys feel this way too, but the quality is really good of those shows. Um, so I love that. And they are doing a season three. I was like, I think something that's interesting about having a romantic comedy TV show is that you sort of have to find a way to break the characters up again that won't like hurt readers too bad or viewers in this case too bad um, because you sort of know that that's at some point going to happen or there's going to be some kind of like conflict between the two characters um, and so you have to like prepare yourself to go through it again <laughs> um, so but I think that she does a good job of like pulling it off and 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 making it multiple times in, instead of like you know making us upset <laughs> um, so I love that show uh, Harlem is a show on Amazon Prime that is sort of like it's a little reminiscent of Sex in the City as well, um, but like if it was like from this perspective of four Black women who live in Harlem, um, and it's about their love lives, and they each have um, their different romantic interests and things, and they all have great fashion, and they're all gorgeous, and that also is a show that what I do with TV is I wait until all the episodes are out and then I will sit for two like two days and watch it all mm -hmm. at once and then move on. <laughs> mm -hmm. I often yeah I forget a lot if it's like weekly I just won't remember and then I'll be like oh wait I missed half, half of the season. Um, so those are two shows that I really loved but I actually am watching Severance right now which is very different. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that's a leap. <laughs> 
so different. I thought it was going to be funny because um, Adam West, that's the actor from Parks and Rec, right? Because he's usually yeah. really funny and he stuff. And then I started watching the first episode and I texted my friends who recommended it to me. And I was like, wait, this is sad. Like, what is this? False <laughs> <All> advertising. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to be like a sort of dark comedy workplace thing. And I was like, actually, no, it's just like a dark workplace thing. Um, which is fine. It's it's well done, but it's very different <laughs> from what I've been watching. I remember when that first came out and I love Adam. Like he's like one of my favorite actors. And so I told my husband I was going to watch it and he is like, you're gonna like that one and I was like what do you mean and he's like I watched the first couple episodes this this is not for you and I was like oh bummer yeah I mean yeah it's good it's sort of like the same way that I started watching uh The Last of Us purely because of the love that I have for Pedro Pascal then I started watching it and I was Mm -hmm. like so this is actually not for me because it's horror but I kept watching anyway because I just loved him so much um, but if he weren't in it, that wouldn't be my show. <laughs> it's, too much, it's too much for me. <laughs> yeah, I too. I don't know, man. I just feel like I still feel like sometimes I have like pandemic brain where like mm. I I used to love TV dramas and I just have not been able to get back into them like ever since pandemic. Mm. I just like I can't. I'm like, my yeah. brain cannot handle it. I don't want it. I don't, even like some of the fantasy stuff. Like I like loved the first season of um, Shadow and Bone. And mm-hmm. I just like had a really hard time getting into the second one. I don't know, man. I just am like, if it doesn't have kissing and happy things, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like, yeah, I I um, I definitely feel you. I think that, uh I need to be in a certain headspace to watch mm-hmm. certain things. Um, and it's like, a lot of the times it's like, I, I need to be maybe like in between deadlines where like my brain is so tired that like, I'm yeah. just like sponging up things because if I'm working on too many things at once, I can't watch something that's too involved <laughs> because yeah, I'll, that I'll miss everything. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. And I was, I finally found the name of the show I was thinking of, but it, adorable rom-com series on amazon prime it's holiday themed but it's called with love i don't know if oh, you all have I, seen want it. To, I am aware of that i have not watched it yet though you could watch it any time of year it is one of my favorite shows ever i need, I need to re-watch it like the cast is incredible like it's just uh it's one of it, it gave me so much joy that's such a great show Okay, I'm glad to hear that because it was on my list and I kept thinking like, I'll wait until Christmas <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so I can feel all the feels, but, um, but that's good to know. I'm glad to know that you liked it. Highly recommend if you are looking for something, but okay, I am going to watch Starstruck immediately and also yes. Harlem. Are yeah, there... please do. You said Harlem is on Amazon and um, Starstruck is HBO? HBO Max, yeah. Okay. okay. We're... Is it only, because you know, sometimes HBO has like Max Originals, but like, yeah. I don't know. I watch it on HBO Max. I don't know if there's okay. another way okay. to like watch it through HBO's other things. They try to get us however they can. Yeah. <laughs> Some secret passcode, speak easy streaming service. 
I know, and they just changed their name. I saw their their like Max what? Discovery. Oh my so god! Weird. Yeah, I was like, this is HBO. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so gonna continue to call it HBO. <laughs> so dumb. Um, it just is wild to me. This is like a totally off-topic tangent, but I was looking for. Okay, so I wanted to watch Center Stage the other day. Oh and my gosh! Center Stage. Classic, I have. Right? I have. Every streaming platform available. I have them all, literally. It is not on any of them. And I just am like, why am I paying all this money for all these stupid streamers to not have, like, the most basic of movies? Like, how do you not have Center Stage on Netflix? What? How is that a thing? Is that that early 2000s dance rom-com? Yes. Of course. Of course. (laughs) It's been a while. It's been a while. Oh my God. It's the best. It's like, you know, that was like one of those favorite movies of mine when I was a kid. And I'm mm-hmm. like, why are I you I love not that here? movie. And Zoe Saldana, she's the best friend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She like has not aged. She still know. looks like she's in Tennessee. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> and I think she was one of the only ones that was like not an actual ballet dancer in that movie. Mm. But you would never know it from watching her. She just is like, has that poise, that grace that I could never achieve. I love it. <laughs> that leads oh. perfectly into our next topic. I was just going to say, like, speaking of poise and grace. <laughs> and not aging. <laughs> and not aging. <laughs> not aging, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, will you? Yeah. You have tickets. Yeah, is that what you were saying? Yeah, so, so I have tickets to see her Renaissance tour uh, on July 29th. So it'll be a year from when the album came out. And I don't know if she's going to do anything wow. special, but that would be nice. <laughs> 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 I'm super excited to go see her. I um, So years ago, after she had her first baby, I don't know if either of you follow her very closely or if you just remember from different pop culture things. There was this uh, new casino that opened in Atlantic City, and I was a junior in college at the time. I think it was the summer before my junior year of college, and my parents lived about 45 minutes away from Atlantic City, and I was like, oh my gosh, Beyonce's going to be here. She's been four nights in a row, and I could not get tickets because I was working at the mall, and I could not get, I was devastated. They sold out in like 20 minutes. And I was really sad because she was right there. She was like 45 minutes away. And that day I vowed to myself to never miss another Beyonce concert ever again. And so I, (laughs) I, this is my villain origin story. So I signed up (laughs) for her beehive all those years ago. And that is how I get like early access to different and and often like better seats for like not as expensive. tickets to her concerts and I've gone to every single one since then so yeah I saw her for the Miss Carter World Tour I saw her both times that she was with Jay-Z I, I prefer her by herself um I know she loves her husband but I prefer her by herself <laughs> I saw her Lemonade Tour so maybe I've only seen her before or this will be my fifth time I feel like there's another one in there, but um, yeah, so I've seen her a lot and she's just like the best live show. I've seen other people in concert too. I've just seen her more. (laughs) Um, 
and she's just like amazing to watch and I think she's just like amazing and whenever I do have to do like a questionnaire or something and they're like what can you talk about for five minutes straight or anything I'm always just like Beyonce 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 <laughs> <laughs> because I was like a fan even during Destiny's Child days like I know all the mm-hmm. Destiny's Child songs and I just sort of felt what feel like I've like evolved as a as her fan since you know the 90s and so yeah absolutely Beyonce nerd (laughs) did you see Destiny's Child in concert no but they did this is back when malls were like the place to be um they came to a mall that was like 20 minutes away from my house so my parents lived like 20 minutes outside of Philly and so I guess that's why they were there because it was like the the Philly stop of whatever they were doing I didn't get to see them but I did get like a little signed thing they were giving out like these signed things of their pictures from like the photo shoot I guess they did for their album which album was that it was the Survivor album and so I have like a little I don't know where this is I had it for a long time it used to be taped up to my wall of like Beyonce a picture of Beyonce with like her name signed yeah, you're like Beyonce like and those other people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I love Kelly and Michelle too. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> That's amazing, though. Yeah. Um, I just I love that. I feel like she's one of those people that, like, even if for whatever reason, like, you didn't like her music or weren't super into it, like, it's a good show. Like, no matter what, like, she's gonna entertain you. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she just was like, so, I mean, she's just so impressive because she does all that dancing and she's just singing full out the whole time, you know, like, how how does one do that? I don't know, but it's like, you know, it's just so impressive. I feel like, I don't, and then this is where I get into like my niche super fan thing, but like, she does like, and like a lot of her documentaries, I feel like I've watched all of them. Uh, she talks, she like works really, really hard. She's a Virgo, which totally tracks. Um, but her, she just sort of will like stay up until she gets something perfect and she'll just work at it and work at it and work at it. And I think that is why, like, every time she puts something out, it's just so well done. And so I, do as obviously I'm not a singer not as good as a dancer as she is but like when it comes to art I do like feel empowered to like be as hands-on and like meticulous and thorough with what it is that I do because at the end of the day like I really want to be proud of what it is that even if art is subjective like people will read my book and I love it and they're like this is the worst thing I ever wrote the right like I ever read but like I want to be able to say that's okay because I really like yeah. it you know like I don't ever want to get in a place where I feel like uh oh, mm. maybe they're right you know like I want to feel like I I did all that I could to get something right and I feel like oh, right to me I guess um and I feel like that's something that she works really hard to do like on presentation and um like even like with my covers and stuff I'm always worried that my team is like stop <laughs> but I you know I just sort of have a vision and I'm always grateful that the people that I work with let me weigh in a lot um to, but I've been really lucky to have really good covers and I'm grateful you know just different things I think a lot about branding and 
what a brand is for an author. Mm. And I think I get a, a lot of that from just watching so many of her documentaries and figuring out what it, how to create the the product, you know, because books, books are art. We're, we're all like little weirdos writing these stories, but they're a product. And so it's like a balance of like being a creative, but also trying to be like a business person. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, no I so also true. get very inspired by musicians because mm-hmm. it's almost easier sometimes to look at a different art form and see how that artist commits to the craft. And then yeah. it's almost like I, I always get inspired by authors too, but it's easier, I think, now that I'm so entrenched in publishing and in the writing craft to like apply it literally or get too analytical. And then when you look at a different art artist in a different medium, it's easy to take like the larger inspiration from it, at least for me, if yeah. I'm explaining that correctly. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you're saying because it sort of feels like something that you can adapt, but you don't have to take all the pieces if you don't want to. Yes. Um, where if it's like an author, you're like, oh, should I be doing all those things that they're doing? Yes. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. feels sort of like overwhelming. So I, I definitely understand what you're saying. I love that. And it's nice to, um, are, do you write with music? Or are you inspired by music? Uh, yeah, so I have like long playlists. Um, for the most part, I have to write in silence because I get so distracted so easily. Mm-hmm. But if I'm writing a scene where they're like at a party or they're somewhere where music is playing, I will listen to music just so I feel like mm-hmm. they're moving the way that they should based on the music that's mm-hmm. playing overhead. That's um, but usually I write in silence <laughs> because I get too distracted. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. What about do you do you write with music or do how do you what do you guys do? I don't. My attention span is not. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like my attention span is almost non-existent at this point. I do, I do, and I'm like, I don't even know if I should say this because I'm not like officially diagnosed, but I'm like 99.9 percent sure I have inattentive ADHD. (laughs) So like (laughs) having something going on while I have to stay focused, it helps me um, stay focused. I don't know, it's weird. Like sometimes this is really, you probably are gonna hate me, but sometimes when I'm listening to an audiobook in my car, I also have to play music so I can pay attention to the audiobook. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Courtney, that's amazing. Uh, no it's wild and I feel like anybody in the car with me would be like what the fuck this is chaos and I'm like "Mm -hmm." (laughs) honestly Um, I get that though yeah Yeah, it's weird I have to have background maybe yeah what I um before I started writing full-time when I would do my day job work I would listen to music because it felt like I was mentally pushing myself in a corner it was like there's all the music space and I have this little like <laughs> section where I need to focus and work. I I understand what you're saying. Where like um, it sort of like pushes you to like be productive or do yeah. the Yeah, and I I think too, and I I'm sorry, I think I got us off topic, but I always have like a constant track going in my brain that's just very loud. And so if I have to focus on something, it almost like amplifies whatever's going on in my head. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, what am I making for dinner? What's going on here? What's going on there? And then um, 
I just literally distracted myself in the middle of my conversation. See what I'm saying? <laughs> I should probably get officially diagnosed somehow. <laughs> but while I'm writing, having that music or something going on kind of um, mutes that, um, mm-hmm. those busy or extra thoughts in my head that keep me from focusing. And it's like, you know, when you have to actually really get into that um, flow state, it's almost like your conscious brain, as opposed to your subconscious, will try to um, pull against that because, you know, you're not asleep, you're in the present, you're trying to get things done. And it's like two opposing things. So sometimes the music helps just kind of relax into more of a flow state and getting in touch with more of the creative creativity and subconscious. Yeah, I get that. Fascinating. (laughs) Okay. But Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) It all comes back to Beyonce. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right. Well, Christina, this has been amazing. Before we let you go, can you please tell our listeners where they can find you on the interwebs? Yes. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Christina Farce underscore, um, I'm on TikTok. I can't remember what my TikTok. I think it's Christina Farce one. I'm much more active on Instagram. That's probably where you'll find me. Um, and then my website, which is ChristinaFarce.com. And the neighbor favor is out now. It is amazing. Um, definitely a good summer read because if you just want to like yes, escape into absolutely a little delicious love story for the summer, a good one to pick it up. I agree. And do you thank have, you, are you. you able to share like anything that's coming next? Yeah. So uh, the partner plot is my next adult romance. Um, I don't, I love that. I, I, yeah, I can say that it publishes next spring. I don't think I can say like the pub date. I definitely was given the okay to say the title though and the season. Um, That is about Lily's older sister, Violet, um, and her uh, high school sweetheart. Um, And then I have another YA coming out next summer. And I don't think I've been given the green light to talk about that one at all, but it is supposed to be coming if the revision process goes well. So (laughs) next year. Oh my gosh. So eyes on you for sure. Yeah. So much good (laughs) stuff. Um, thank you so much for joining us. This has been truly a fascinating and insightful conversation. I'm really excited to listen to this one back again. Me too. And take notes. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for being here. It's a joy. All right. And thank you all for listening. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore K, K-A-E, on all social media platforms. And you can find me, Fallon Ballard, at Fallon Ballard, everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes. And a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time.